Hello, friends. As I speak, we're all looking toward Election Day. It's obviously a stressful time for us all, given the high stakes involved. No matter who wins or which party succeeds, we're all hopeful that some measure of peace will prevail and that outcomes will be accepted with grace and with respect for the will of the American people. Should Christians be engaged in politics? Well, indeed they should, for Christ is Lord of every realm of life, including the political realm. Politics is all about how we choose to live together in community, and our Christian values speak directly to this. Voting is a Christian responsibility. Whatever political issue is before us, let's approach it with a mind and heart shaped by the teachings and the example of Jesus and vote our conscience. And let us be careful to observe the golden rule with those who disagree with us, to do unto others as we would have them do to us. The last thing we want to do is contribute to our society's vast storehouse of unholy anger and ungracious put-downs. I reiterate what I wrote in NPC's last news and brief. Be so gentle and gracious, so charitable and kind, that even your disagreements showcase your love for people and your commitment to Christ. So may it be. Please pray with me as we approach this election day. Let's pray. Oh God, we acknowledge you today as Lord, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for your law, which our founding fathers acknowledged and recognize as higher than any human law. We thank you for the opportunity that this election year puts before us to exercise our solemn duty to vote and to do so with discernment and a spirit of wisdom in a way that honors you and reflects the priorities of your kingdom. We thank you that we have government representatives who believe your truth. Remind them to seek your guidance as, as they make decisions that affect our country and world. Send them godly wisdom and good counselors and give those who are, who are elected strength to choose integrity as they hold office. Lord, we rejoice today that we are citizens of your kingdom. May that make us all the more committed to being faithful citizens on earth. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. One thing we have learned in our study of the letters to the seven churches of Revelation is that the risen Jesus cares deeply about each and every church. No matter the church's particular weaknesses and failings, no matter its location or situation, the living Lord walks with his church and refuses to abandon it. He knows each church intimately. In each of these various messages to the churches, we find the recurring refrain, I know your works. I know your affliction. I know where you live. I know, I know, I know. The Lord knows exactly what each church needs, offering words of comfort and challenge and hope. And he knows exactly what we need right here in Mukilteo. If we listen, we can discern what he is saying to his church today. We come now to the sixth of seven letters addressed to various churches in what was then the Roman province of Asia in what is now Western Turkey. It's the message of the risen Jesus given to the church at Philadelphia. For you historians, the city was founded in 189 BC by King Eumenes II of Pergamum and named the city for the love of his brother, who would be his successor, Italus II, whose loyalty earned him the nickname Philadelphos, literally meaning in Greek, one who loves his brother. Listen now to what Jesus says to his church, reading from the book of Revelation, the third chapter. 
To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I know your deeds, says Jesus. You're doing a lot of good things. You have kept my word and you have not denied my name under pressure. You have patiently endured times of suffering. Philadelphians, you are to be commended for your faithfulness. But now listen to this. I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I've set before you an open door. This is the door of mission opportunity. It's the door leading to wider service in Jesus' name. It's the door leading to a more effective witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a door leading to more fruitful outreach and to a greater spiritual usefulness. The Bible often speaks of open doors. During his last missionary journey, the Apostle Paul spent three years in Ephesus, both giving public lectures in a hired hall and visiting people privately in, in their own homes. He was busy preaching the gospel day in and day out. And of this period, he wrote, A wide door for effective work has opened to me. When later he, he reached Rome, he was for two years placed under house arrest. Despite his captivity, he was able to speak of Christ to all who visited him, Jews, Roman soldiers, and a runaway slave named Onesimus. With all these opportunities, he was still not satisfied. Pray for us also, he wrote to Christian friends in Colossae, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. God is always opening doors for the spread of the good news of his love in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what God was doing for the church gathered at Philadelphia. I have set before you an open door. The door was wide open for that particular church to share the good news and word and deed in a way that would impact many, causing many to believe. Perhaps the open door of mission opportunity had much to do with Philadelphia's strategic geographical location. Not much remains of the ancient city. If you go there today, all there is to see is the remains of a 6th century Byzantine church with some ancient Christian sarcophagi lying in the garden. You can see a remnant of the old Byzantine wall just outside the city along the modern main road. The rest of the ancient city lies somewhere under the modern city of Alashahir, a town of about 36,000 people, famous for its dried raisins and its mineral water. But in ancient times, it was an important city, largely because it commanded one of the greatest highways in the world, which led from Europe to the east. The city was, in fact, called the Gateway to the East, so many people had to pass through this way on their way to somewhere else. There were caravans and 
tourists and pilgrims constantly passing through. It was also originally a major center for the dissemination of Greek language and culture. Now the church had opportunities to spread not only Greek culture, but the gospel. From the busy commercial and transportation center of Philadelphia, the gospel could spread throughout the world. That is, if the Philadelphian Christians seized the opportunities to do so. Again, Jesus challenged this church with a reminder that he had given them an open door which no one can shut. He reminded his people that he had the keys to open these doors for them, as the one who had himself been the doorway to God and is the doorway to God. Now he opened the doorway to spreading his love. The door of mission opportunity was before them. It wasn't enough to simply keep the word and hold to the truth. Now this, this uh, church of, uh, in the city of brotherly love had to proclaim it and live it. It wouldn't be easy for the church at Philadelphia. The scripture says they had but little power. Perhaps their congregation was pretty small and therefore was not very influential. In addition, there were sizable obstacles to sharing their faith. There was a strong opposition of those in the synagogues who resisted the upstart Christians. And there was always the threat of persecution hanging over their heads. Nevertheless, the door of opportunity was wide open for witness and service. Behold, I set before you an open door. And I believe that's exactly what the Lord is saying to Muckleteo Presbyterian Church today. He's saying, look, I've put you in a highly strategic location. You live smack dab in the middle of one of the, the highest unchurched re regions of the country. There are hundreds of people all around you who do not know me. There are hundreds of kids in your schools that know nothing about me. Come now, I've set before you an open door before you. You have a magnificent opportunity to share the gospel and make an incredible impact for me and your community. You've been gifted with many resources. Use them. Be my witnesses. Serve others in my name. Seize the opportunity now before you to advance my kingdom. And indeed, those open doors are all around us. We must pray for the spiritual sensitivity to recognize those open doors and to take advantage of the opportunities before us. I mean, think of the impact we all would have as we actively sought ways to serve the Lord by serving others in his name, reaching out to others in word and deed, sharing the hope that is within us. The danger for us is that we will lose our outward focus and retreat into a kind of fortress mentality that turns inward and selfish and ignores the mission. The temptation is to become complacent in our own comfortableness or to look for excuses as to why we can't do such and such, seeing only the obstacles. Back in the days of the Old Testament, God had set before the wandering people of Israel an open door to enter the promised land. The Lord says, see, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that I swore to your ancestors. But it so happened that just as they were poised to enter the land, some scouts came back telling of obstacles, stating all the reasons why it wasn't feasible to go in. The people listened to, to them and they failed to go in through that open door. It so happened that God then closed the door and they were condemned to wander the wilderness another 40 years. Tragically, the God-given opportunity was missed. What opportunities for service might you and I be missing? because of a lack of conviction or because we found it too difficult or too burdensome or it might take too much time. In the year 1269, Kublai Khan sent a request from Peking to Rome 
or in his words, a hundred wise men of the Christian religion. And so I shall be baptized. And when I shall be baptized, all my barons and great men will be baptized and their subjects baptized. And so there will be more Christians here than there are in your parts. The Mongols were then wavering in the choice of a religion. It might have been, as Kublai forecast, the greatest mass religious movement the world has ever seen. The history of all Asia would have been changed. But what actually happened? Well, Pope Gregory X answered by sending two Dominican friars that got as far as Armenia could endure no longer and return home. So passed the greatest missionary opportunity in the history of the Christian church. The lesson is this, when God opens the door of opportunity to advance his cause, seize it, or it may be too late. God's always opening doors of opportunity to share the love of Christ. This is true not only of the church as a whole, but of us individually. God brings certain people and certain events into our lives that are doors of opportunity to share our faith and our hope and our love. Are you, aware, you and I aware of those opportunities or and do we seize them when they present themselves to us? Or are we just totally oblivious? Or if not oblivious, do we like the Israelites of old think of all the reasons why we can't do what God wants us to do and lose the opportunity altogether? I have often wondered, how many times have I failed to walk through the open door of a God-given opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life because I wasn't sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? What are the things I should have done but failed to do? We call these things sins of omission as opposed to, this, as opposed to sins of commission. It's the sins of omission that aren't so obvious. What door of mission opportunity has the Lord set before you and me? What opportunities do we have to share the love of the Lord with our family, our colleagues at the office, our classmates, our fellow shop workers, our friends, our neighbors, this is our personal mission field, if you will, wherever God has placed us. There's no shortage of opportunities to witness to Christ's love by rendering humble service to others, checking on the elderly neighbor across the street, offering a word of encouragement to someone who's depressed, volunteering to, to do an errand for a sick friend. We should never underestimate the importance of small deeds, the, the cups of cold water given in Jesus' name. But in addition to rendering humble service as our Christian witness, we can intentionally look for God-given opportunities to talk with others about our experience of Christ and share our faith and share the hope that we have found in him. I actually think that the pandemic has opened some doors for witness that would have been closed to us otherwise. Our online worship service may well be reaching more people than if we relied only on in-person gatherings. Though, of course, in-person worship, which will resume hopefully sooner rather than later, is critically important to our faith, to our church, to who we are as Christians. Because of the pandemic, we may well find that people are more open to spiritual conversations. People are looking for meaning, for purpose, for hope, for peace in these unusually stressful, fearful times. A church member called to my attention that the word pandemic comes from two Greek words, pan, meaning all, and demos, meaning people, from which we get the word democracy. So I guess in a positive sense, we can pray for a spiritual pandemic where God's love in Jesus Christ spreads to all people through the contagious faith of those who are committed to serve him in the world. But what if 
each of us prayed each morning. Lord, help me be alert to the people you want me to meet and to the opportunities for service you place in my path. Use me. Help me this day to be your witness in the world that your kingdom of love and grace may advance. Today happens to be All Saints Day, November 1st, the feast day of the Christian church that recognizes and celebrates great people of faith who have gone before us. And their lives are sources of inspiration for all of us. But what made them so great? When God opened the door of opportunity to advance his cause, they had the faith and the courage to take advantage of it, despite the cost or the obstacles. And so they made a positive difference for Christ in the world. You and I may not fancy ourselves as saints, but their example is certainly worthy of following. Let us pray. O oh Lord, you have set an open door of mission opportunity before this church and before our individual lives. Help us seize those opportunities that your kingdom may advance. Amen. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.